As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. Hey, Ben. We've got uh, part two of our exciting Lincoln Motor Company episode coming up here, so I think we better do a little bit of recap maybe at the head of this. What do you yeah, think? that's a great idea. Let's do a quick recap, start at the beginning, and right. then work our way through the middle, and then uh, wrap it up with the end, right? Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. <laughs> that's maybe how we'll do it. So we've got a, uh, we've, we've already gone through, what, about 1922, I think. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. All the way through the you know, formation of the Lincoln brand, all the way up to 1922, and we've covered a lot of ground so far. And bear with me here, because I'm going to go through a couple of bullet points of what we covered in part one, and then we'll be right on to part two. And mm. even if you listened prior to that, you know, to, to episode one, stay tuned here, because uh, there's a couple of things in here that I, I just maybe we glossed over, and, and we'll mm-hmm. hit them again right here. So, right, real quick, um, remember we have to go all the way back uh, to Henry Ford. Yes. Uh, so Henry Ford, he had two companies before, uh, before the Ford Motor Company. So the Ford Motor Company was actually his third mm-hmm. automobile company. He had the Detroit Automobile Company from 1899 to 1901, the Henry Ford Company from 1901 to 1902. And, uh, then in 1902, Henry Leland was brought in as a consultant to Henry Ford, uh, for the Henry Ford Company, you know, Henry's second company. Mm-hmm. And that's when Ford split off. Uh, I was forced out of the company, didn't, you know, had bad blood there with, uh, Henry Leland. Leland. Yeah. And, um, formed the Ford Motor Company. So, um, Leland reorganized the company. And then, of course, he called it, uh, as we remember, the Cadillac Automobile Company, which infamously still exists today as the, uh, fine motor company that it is. And, uh, of course, they competed with Ford as well. Well, with the Lincoln brand eventually, as we'll find out. Right. All right. So Leland then sold Cadillac to GM in 1909, just seven years later. Um, and let's see, a company that, uh, well, it, we mentioned that they, they fiercely competed with Lincoln later on, but mm-hmm. um, he stayed with the Cadillac Motor Company until 1917. 
So Leland kind of hung on for another, how was that, eight years, I guess? Yeah. And in 1917, after he left uh, Cadillac, he started the Lincoln Motor Company, right? That's right. And so he founds this uh, this Lincoln Motor Company in 1917 with his son, Wilfred Leland. And uh, the two of them initially started building um, or assembling, I should say, Liberty aircraft engines for World War One aircraft. Mm-hmm. And then the war ended in 1918, um, you know, on these World War One government contracts is how they're kind of existing at this point. Right. Yeah. And so now they have to build cars. Yeah. And that's what they initially wanted to do. Right. So yeah. they're, they start building cars. They only build just about 150 cars as a standalone brand, as Lincoln alone with no Ford involvement. Oh, the L-Series. Yeah, that's right, the L-Series cars. And, um, you know, they, they came into financial trouble with the Lincoln brand in 1921, so just right out of the gate, financial trouble. Ford bought Lincoln in 1922 um, at the urging of, uh, well, then Ford president, Edsel Ford. Ah, uh, yes, who people might recognize as the son of, of Henry Ford. Now, given their enmity that these two men had, mm-hmm. their animosity uh, between the two Henrys, Lalonde and Ford, uh, we, I think, toward the end of the first part of the show, uh, we were talking about how it must have felt to be Henry Ford walking in to buy that company. I think we were speculating that he was uh, rubbing his hands together at the windowsill, you know, <laughs> and yes, yes. Yeah, Monty Burns style. Yeah, very, yeah. very excited about the purchase of uh, uh, of this Lincoln brand because um, personally, again, that's a, that's a big victory for Ford. I'm sure that he held on to a lot of that. Uh, there's probably a grudge there, I would assume, just knowing Ford as the character that he was, right? Right, and we know uh, this is this dovetails into some of the stuff uh, that we're going to talk about today because we do know that regardless of whatever personal problems these two men may have had, uh, that the Ford Motor Company's purchase of Lincoln really saved the company because just one year later, Scott, 1923, uh, their sales rose by 45%. Sure. Yeah, but... However, the lands were out. They were already out by late night. I think they were out by 1922. So they were not asked to stay on oh, yeah. uh, like they were with the Cadillac Motor Company. They didn't. They didn't hang on as you know as members of the board or anything like that. Ford just outright said, "You know what? Here's your money. You're on your way." And that's it. And that's so there the was, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's the door. You know what to uh, not let it do on your way. I out. mean, but he learned his lesson about keeping that guy on board anyway. Didn't yeah, he? that's true. That's true. So, okay, so here we are. We're in 1922, mm-hmm. and I just want to note that Lincoln operated kind of as a separate unit until about uh, until about 1940. Yeah, uh, so late. Point. I mean, there's like 18 years here where the Lincoln brand was operating completely separate from Ford Motor Company, yet under the parent, you know, they're operating under the parent company of Ford. However, there just wasn't really a whole lot of involvement going on there. But Edsel Ford, who was the president of Ford Motor Company, not the CEO, the CEO was still Mr. Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. And uh, he held on to that, like that ultimate power, I guess, at that point. So yeah. um, I'm sure that, you know, there was some urging from Edsel to purchase uh, the Lincoln brand uh, because he there's there's some unusual things about Edsel that I want to talk about in just a second. But, okay. um, yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned that they were sold for a pretty hefty sum, right? Yeah, they were they were pretty expensive because um these let's see, these vehicles built by these guys would go for as much as seven grand. Mm-hmm. 
and that's in the 20s. Yeah, that's right. These were what they called fine automobiles. They were luxury automobiles. Uh, they were separate from what Ford had decided to build with the the Model T, the Model oh, A. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you know he had he built kind of like these um, these cars that were good for the everyman. You know mm-hmm. that uh, they're they're mass produced. They were they were widely available, um, used for many many different purposes. These these cars that L- the Lincoln brand focused on were more uh, custom coaches. Yeah, more of a more of a higher end thing. Now, when uh, Edsel in 1923 stopped me, if I'm going past some stuff we need to hit, mm-hmm. um, Edsel said, "Let's make a couple of different." designs. Mm-hmm. Let's diversify our high-end portfolio a bit. Yeah, and there's a good reason for that because Edsel, unlike, you know, Henry, he appreciated kind of the, the beauty of the cars as well as like their function because I you know I mentioned that Henry's more into function over over form. Sure. And uh, Edsel, he also appreciated the way that the cars looked, the way that they felt when you sat in them, the way that they appeared on the street when they were parked. Um, he was more of a uh, he had more of a, a finer touch, I guess, with these types of things. I don't know <laughs> right. how to a, a better eye for design, I suppose, maybe is the best. An, an the best appreciation of the aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. And you'll see a lot of styling changes in the uh, in the 1920s, mm-hmm. uh, where the the late 1920s, where you know Edsel had a lot to do with that. Where um, you know he he picked the uh, the leaping greyhound hood ornament, and mm-hmm. um, God, I don't know, just a lot of the uh, the 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 smooth sleek elements of the Lincoln. Yeah, lines. they had like a phaeton design. Mm-hmm. They had uh, a limousine. A seven-passenger sedan, Scott. Oh, wow, very nice. And uh, even a two-passenger roadster, so there were quite a few options. Yeah, exactly. And before he passed away, and I I, I do want to talk about Edsel in just a moment, okay. but before Edsel passed away, um, he commissioned coach builders from all over the United States uh, to build special luxury bodies for this Lincoln brand. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're looking at a car that, at the time, you got to remember it's competition at the time. Uh, Lincoln was competing with uh, with Duesenberg. They were competing yeah, with Pierce. Packard. Yeah, Pierce Arrow. Oh yeah, Packard. You're one of your favorites. Yeah, uh, Marmon, <laughs> Cadillac. You know they were, of course, Cadillac, as we just mentioned. Right. Um, so Peerless was another one. There, there are these really, really high end, uh, what we'll call fine automobiles mm-hmm. at the time that were that were being uh, produced by other companies that Lincoln was now in the, uh, I don't know, in the in the ring with. Yeah, they were in the same sphere there, in the same market. And when I love that you pointed out these uh, coach builders that he contracted with, because some of them might be familiar to people, um, especially LeBaron, mm-hmm. it would be familiar to a lot of people. Sure, that's this, a name we still hear today, even. Yeah, with, <laughs> and maybe we should do a podcast on that. But Scott, before we go any further, you've got to tell me about Edsel. All right, so Edsel, and I don't have a whole lot of information about him, but you know, Edsel, because that's another podcast in itself right there. You know, yeah, Edsel, Ford, and the Edsel itself. Yeah, all these spinoffs oh, that we could, we could do, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, that Edsel, he took control of the of the brand, of the, the Lincoln brand, almost immediately. Now, he was the president of Ford Motor Company. I mentioned that, that Henry was the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And, right. And, um, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that took place there. Now, I, I guess I'll just tell you right now that Edsel... Um, he passed away in 1943 unexpectedly. He was only 49 years old. Uh, died before Henry Ford the first mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was kind of like a, I think it was a stomach cancer surgery that he he had gone through, and then he died of some kind of bacterial disease. It was caused by uh, they think unsterilized milk or possibly meat from infected animals. This sounds so gross, but um, you know it's kind of prior to the day of uh, you know really quite understanding. Exactly yeah. how everything worked, you know, as far as bacteria growth and all that. Mm-hmm. So 
there's, it seems to me that I remember there's some kind of odd story about Henry Ford and unpasteurized milk and, you know, the, the, his beliefs and all this. It's, it, there's some kind of tie in there, but I'll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, have to dig into his this. dietary beliefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to uh, really investigate that just to, to learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, um, now remember, I mentioned that, uh, that Henry was the CEO of Ford Motor Company. This may surprise some of our listeners. Henry Ford was not the first CEO of Ford Motor Company. And, Who was? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not. I mean, yeah, some yeah. people may, some people may not. Who was the first CEO of Ford Motor Company? There was a guy named John S. Gray, who was a, uh, he was a candy maker, businessman, banker, um, original investor in the Ford Motor ah, Company. He was the money. And he was, uh, he was the money. That's right. And Ford trusted him as CEO for the first three years of the company. So from 1903 to 1906 until he passed away, uh, John S. Gray was the CEO of Ford Motor Company. Then Henry Ford took over um, in 1906 and held the CEO position all the way until 1945. And uh, that's just two years prior to Henry's death in wow. 1947. Now, as far as presidents go, mm-hmm. um, now, President Ford Motor Company, let's see, John John Gray, who was also the president, I guess, mm-hmm. um, he is CEO and president, um, again, 1903 to 1906, Henry Ford from 1906 to 1919, and that's when Edsel took over in 1919 until I mentioned his death in 1943 um, in office. And then Henry took over for, he came back into the office for just another two years uh, from 43 to 45. And then, of course, he passed away in 1947. And then it went on to, uh, I think it was Henry Ford II, mm-hmm. and he held the position until something like 1960. Oh. So, uh, you know, it's it, and even now it's still in the, uh, you know, the, the Run by Fords are still in the company within the corporation. So uh, there's a long, long history of presidents and CEOs that come from the Ford family, obviously. But uh, interesting that he was not the first CEO. Yeah, that is a uh, little known fact here. I know I had known that he wasn't the first CEO, but I did not know the details mm-hmm. about Mr. Gray. Who would have known it would be a candy maker? Who would have known? I guess candy is a is a good business to get into. Big business, lots of money to be made there. Yeah, a lot of people have a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we go back to Lincoln, and let's segue this because you know one thing about any kind of market, whether it's candy or cars, you have to know what your customers want. And you mm-hmm. have to specialize in this. And Lincoln, early on, um, after their purchase with Ford Motor Company, I think that's one of the reasons that their sales went up so much because Edsel. Uh, and the Lincoln brand broke some of the typical rules or rather divisions between the luxury car market and the car for everybody car market. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we talked about how they worked with specific coach builders. Um, they also had the idea of these add-on customizations that you could buy, mm-hmm. right? So you could get, you could get varnished wood wheels for $15. You could get uh, a new, a nice nickel plated radiator shell. You know, you, you could add these things on instead of, um, those coming bespoke. So it was like predetermined customization options. I see. So you could really make it your own, I guess, is, is what they're saying. In a slightly more affordable way, perhaps mm-hmm. than a Duesenberg, um, or certainly, you know, um, a Packard. Which I'm gonna get one one day. <laughs> I know you will. I'm gonna let it go. I know you for will. this podcast, but I just want that to be on the record. Also, they built uh, what were called police flyers. Remember those? No, I don't. What's well, a? You know what? 
you've got probably a lot more information about about some of the models and specifics than I do because I'm kind of running out of the history stuff here. Oh, okay. I do want to get to the to the modern age, but tell me please about the police flyers because that oh, sounds yeah. cool. Well, they were for police departments. And this is in the twenties, and uh, they had some pretty. I don't know if Noel's going to let me curse on on air, so I'll say kick butt. Uh, Fair customizations, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of things you would be familiar with, modern law enforcement vehicles, bulletproof windows, spotlights on the ends of the windshield. In the 1920s. In the 1920s. Wow. Well, they're called bulletproof, finger quotes, because they were, you know, a- almost an inch thick glass. Very, oh, that's very thick glass, yeah. So that's, that's I think, their, their attempt to make it bulletproof. Um, and then in 1936, we go to a vehicle that a lot of people will – probably remember or are familiar with the Lincoln Zephyr. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a big, uh, giant hood vehicle, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the, uh, classic Lincoln designs, I guess. What, what's, yeah. uh, what's maybe the, the standout features on that for you? I mean, I mean, do you have one? Do you think it's, oh, uh, it's, it's streamlined, the, man. the grill, the, I mean, the oh. long, long stretched out hood. Yeah. I mean, I, are these are these the cars, Ben, that they show next to trains and things like that? Is <laughs> yeah, that the ones to show you the length? Yeah, the, well, the length and the and the uh, the streamlining. You know how mm-hmm. they had the trains that seem to yeah. mimic the designs of the cars. That's a good point. It seems to me like I've seen a Zephyr parked next to a train that maybe is called the Zephyr or something. And like we that. talked about some of this a little bit in our Deco Car mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, in our Art Deco Car podcast. So a bit, of, so a bit of that in the Zephyr design, right? Yeah, and the Zephyr uh, had a monster V twelve engine. Uh, it was a styling studio that Edsel Ford began. They created the Zephyr, and the Zephyr leads to um, this sort of the progenitor of a bunch of other Lincoln models. Mm-hmm. So the, there's a smaller Lincoln Zephyr, which eventually uh, becomes the first Continental, and that's a that was a, supposed to be a one-off, just created for Edsel. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And then. Um, it was so successful, the smaller Zephyr was so successful in 1936 uh, that it lasted until the end of 1940, um, and then uh, they discontinued the Lincoln 12. But by 1941, all Lincolns, all Lincolns manufactured were based on the Zephyr. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, the the, uh, the big Lincoln V12, I'm sure that's, uh, that's a coveted piece by collectors. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it? Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, huh? oh. run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. 
The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Just to, just to be able to get in there and... Uh... I don't want to say tinker with the engine, but just to watch it work yeah, would just be to, fascinating. Just to see it in operation. But yeah, that, uh, that, that Zephyr hood that I mentioned, that long, mm-hmm. long hood, mm-hmm. that's what that covers. And man, if you were at a car show and you see a Zephyr, just take a peek under the hood and see what you see there. Cause uh, a V12, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And the Zephyr is in the Lincoln story. Uh, the Zephyr is, you know, kind of a deep cut. I guess the L series would be the first deep cut, but, mm-hmm. um, Interesting thing about the Lincoln Continental, which the Zephyr inspired, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright called it the most beautiful car in the world. Hmm. That's something. I mean, come from a notable designer like that. Um, you know, I, I kind of like to skip ahead if that's possible. Yeah, let's I mean, skip we, ahead. I mean, I know there's this whole Continental division that happens. We could get lost in the rabbit hole. The, the unibody era that, uh, that I want to mention something out of the unibody era from the, the, in the late fifties, I think it was. Okay. And, um, now these are some of the longest cars that Ford built ever. I mean, right. the longest production vehicles ever. Um, and they've got this, they've got this extremely long wheelbase, huge, huge cars. Um, the first Lincoln Town Car, which was in 1959, was available, and this sounds like a, like a Ford joke almost, only in black. <laughs> and, and I know that's funny because, you know, we've heard that before that, you know, they, they said that about the Model T, right? They could have any car, they, any yeah. color they want as long as it's black. Yeah, which we found out is not necessarily no, true, right? It's a little exaggerated. In fact, they had quite a few colors that you could choose from. It's just black happened to be the, the fastest drying, the most popular option, you know, all that. Black so, was the most efficient and, color. And of course, Henry loved the black Ford Model T's mm-hmm. because, you know, that made sense to him because it was, uh, it was a good economic decision for him, his company to create a lot of black Ford Model T's. Um, but again, only in black was how you could get the, uh, the first Lincoln town car. And then if you move, skip a little bit further ahead into the, uh, the continental era, mm-hmm. um, now there's a couple of reasons that these are, these are important. They've got this, well, they say it's conservative styling, um, a lot smaller in design. They're a full 15 inches shorter than the 1960 Lincolns, which is, that's a, that's a dramatic drop in size, really. Mm-hmm. However, 
if you look at a, a 1961 to 69 Lincoln Continental, it's still going to look like a massive car. They're still huge. And uh, I think it's the 60s, right, Scott, where the doors open from the center? Exactly. And that's the uh, the rear suicide doors, and that's really what I was trying to get at at this point. Um, and, and that's probably the last kind of uh, historical... Oh wait, I've got one more vehicle I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But um, the suicide doors on the uh, on the Lincoln Continentals are just so cool. I watched I watched a bunch of uh, Ford promotional videos just before we came in here. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the styling stuff from the 1960s, and you know, just really interesting, like where they're doing the clay modeling and all that. And it's leading up to what I'm talking about next. But um, they were showing the operation of some of the the suicide doors, and you know, when they open it up, and there's just there's nothing there. It's it's wide open. You see the two bench seats in, yeah. in front of you. Very, very cool cars. So check out the suicide doors on those uh, on those early Continentals. They're really interesting. Oh, and also we should uh, mention the Lincoln Town Car introduced as its own line in the 80s. I'm mm-hmm. skipping way ahead. Yeah. Is that okay? Uh, well, tell you what. I know you want to jump up to the 80s, but let's do that because I, I do want to get to the modern ones. But I've got – remember I mentioned one more car I wanted to, to yes. talk about? Oh, yes. And I think, I think you guys know that you know I'm a huge fan of the Futura, right? Yeah. The uh, 1955 mm-hmm. concept car, dream car, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this, but I guess the Ed Sullivan show featured the Futura one year. And really? in, in 55, they featured it. They, they He said they revealed it. Now, I watched a clip from 1956 when they're talking about the 56 Lincoln designs. And, and they showed the Futura from the year prior, you know, a video clip or a film clip, rather, from the year prior. Sure. And uh, he introduces a, a woman on this is the Ed Sullivan show. So he's, you know, talking head. Ed standing there, you know, saying, here's uh, Julia Mead to describe to you the Lincoln for 1956, right? And she calls it the only, and this is, again, 56 models, um, the only really new car in the fine car field is how they describe it, the fine car field. They say it's the biggest, longest, uh, lowest Lincolns ever built. And, of course, they top that again, you know, going into 1960, mm-hmm. like we just mentioned. But um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, they, they talk about how the Lincoln stylists and engineers made use of the the Futura design in the 56 models. So you can see as they kind of compare back and forth in this in this short film clip um how you know like the the hooded headlamps mm-hmm. and the uh what do they call it the uh the dual jet pot exhaust out of the back <laughs> and you know like the long low deck style and all that um really really it's it's very apparent how the 56 models mirrored some of what came out of the 1955 dream car Futura, which they only made one of, of course. Right. Um, but again, they, they call them unmistakably the finest in the fine car field at least three times in this film clip. So, you know, they were really, really going for that, that fine car market at that point, the luxury car market in the mid fifties. And as we'll see when we end this podcast, I think we'll end on some news about the modern Lincoln. We do mm-hmm. enjoy ending on some current events at least. And as we'll see when we close out our podcast today, uh, that is a goal that Lincoln still keeps in the forefront of its mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scott, I have to apologize because I did try to jump to the eighties. That's okay. I want you to go to the eighties and then, and then I've got something kind of a little different to talk about. And then I, and then I would love to talk about the modern era Lincolns. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It is a wise man who marries a wiser woman. 
But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was actually, I was going to do the same thing. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. I think we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Is it time for Scott and Ben's movie club? Maybe it is. Why not? We can do that right now. How yeah. about that? All right. So I've got one that uh, that really, God, boy, I think this is going to be really fascinating for the car stuff listeners because um, it's about an aircraft carrier. It's called Super Carrier, and it's from 2006. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a documentary that describes anything and everything you want to know about the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower. And uh, this is just an enormous, enormous mm -hmm. aircraft carrier, mm -hmm. huge yeah, Ben, I was this just this last weekend. I was in Charleston. Oh, that's right. And yeah. I went to uh, I went to the you know the Charleston Harbor and moored there in the Charleston Harbor. They've got a, an aircraft carrier and a destroyer. And the aircraft carrier that they have there is the uh, USS Yorktown, and it's about eight hundred and twenty feet long. Um, it's it's huge, of course. However, this uh, this Dwight D Eisenhower, that's the focus of this uh, this movie called or this documentary called Super Carrier. That's a full 300 feet longer than the than the Yorktown that I just saw this weekend, and that is massive. I mean, it's a it's a great big. It looks like a city building laid down on its side, really. Mm -hmm. And to imagine one that's 300 feet longer 
Uh, it's going to be enormous. So this thing is, I mean, the, the Eisenhower is something like 100,000 tons. It's got 6,000 personnel on board. It's, it's 1,115 feet long, which is just enormous. It, the deck is measured in acres. It's four and a half acres in size. And we, uh, you know, confession, I've watched Supercarrier. I'm so on board with this. Yeah. Uh, and because I use Netflix a lot at my house, you can see the day to day life of people aboard the carrier. Mm-hmm. You can learn some fascinating facts about, uh, the numbers involved. You know, how much do these people eat? How much fuel does this thing take? How is it powered? You can see the power plant, which is super cool. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah they, they spend a full seven days on board, um, and just kind of, uh, it, go through everything as it prepares for action in Iraq, I think is where it was headed to. Um, now, this thing was launched in 1975. The cost of it, it, it you know, when it was new in 1970, uh, when they started building it, so it took five years to build, $679 million. And if you translate that into, uh, and I couldn't find a currency calculator that would translate that it, recent. that would that would translate this dollar amount into into anything recent. So they gave me a, uh, a 2007 number, which is four and a half billion dollars is what this oh, thing would cost. Man. So 679 million in 1970 is the same as four and a half billion dollars in 2007. That makes me look so, worry a little bit about, yeah. uh, just the rate of inflation there. <laughs> I've been worried about that for so long, Ben. All right. So that's, that's again, that's a different, oh, yeah. uh, different podcast, but you can check out Supercarrier on Netflix today for my favorite number, which is free. If you go to, uh, <laughs> If you go to Netflix.com slash car stuff, let them know that Scott and Ben sent you and they will give you a free 30 day trial wherein during which you can access, uh, thousands, my friends, thousands of different videos, documentaries, yeah. films. Doesn't have to be super carrier, but I think that I really do think that the car stuff listeners will enjoy mm-hmm. that just because of, you know, what, what we do every day. I think if, if people are listening, they're going to be interested in this type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, a 30 day membership for free. How many movies do you think you can download in 30 days? Well, let's see. If there's 24 hours in a day and we <laughs> take good. out one hour total. No, no. Also a different podcast, but do check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, we are personally uh, big fans of Netflix as well. And Super Carriers makes me think about how much I enjoy exploring machines. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to the machines that are the subject of this podcast, Yeah, the Lincoln. And I think you were talking about the 1980s, right? Ah, yes. Thank you, Scott. Good save. The Lincoln Town Car, introduced as its own uh, as its own line in 1981. Uh, it's got a 5.0 V8, 117-inch uh, wheelbase. 117-ish, I think is like 0.3. Fair enough. I'm not going to hold you to the number. Okay, don't hold me to the number. And um, for a lot of people, the Lincoln Town Car is something that you associate with, uh, what, what would you say they're going for? Air- quiet, quiet taste? Oh, I was going to say airport taxis. Airport taxis. Oh, <laughs> high five for sure. Yeah, sure. There's a, there's a, because I remember, I remember seeing those, um, seeing those as airport taxis. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They're, they're, that, that to me, that car, I see it all over the places, uh, as, as marked as a limousine or an airport taxi. All over Atlanta. Exactly. And, and the problem with this, Ben, I don't know how much more you wanted to, uh, to say about the, uh, about the, the Lincoln Town no, cars. No, go on. But the problem with that is that, they kind of got this reputation as having being a little bit tarnished. The brand was a little tarnished for decades. They said yeah. because you know they had this this fine automobile, this custom coachwork, and and they kind of went a different direction in the 1980s. Um, just kind of, and this is a term that was thrown around a lot when I was reading about Lincoln's in the 1980s through 
uh, man, I'm going to say all the way through about 2011. Yeah. Um, they said that it was kind of a lackluster brand, uh, that it just kind of, it didn't have much inspiration. It didn't have a lot of, uh, a lot of new direction that it was headed. Um, it was just, it didn't have any punch. It yeah. didn't have, it was a little bit bland. I yeah. would even say is what one of the criticisms was. It, it just, it, in, and it's, it's, that's kind of an unfair way to think about it because they were producing a quality product still. You know, I think it was okay. It wasn't, right. it wasn't fantastic like it probably should have been based on its history, but, you know, that's the thing. Like they're, they're looking, you're looking back at a, at a history that was at that point, you know, 60 plus years old. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't following in line with the way that the car had, or the, the brand rather had progressed up to that point. Like in the 1980s, it just kind of was a lull in, mm-hmm. in the Lincoln action, I guess is maybe the best way to say it. And, uh, and then they kind of, they did something in 2011 that, that is, I don't know, it was, it was kind of a shock to me really. Uh, with the, with the new ads, the, uh, the recent Lincoln television ads and radio ads. Oh, um, yes. They've, they've started to reinvent this once great luxury brand by, uh, by saying that they're, they're now introducing the Lincoln Motor Company. Yeah. Introducing Lincoln Motor Company, the MKZ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and well, real quick, Scott, not to, not to go too far back, but, uh, we should remember that in the, uh, 90s, 2000s, let me see. My spider sense is telling me it is 2000 when the navigate. Oh, the navigators introduced in 1998. I apologize. Okay, so they had a giant SUV also. So they they, they had those ads, but they still weren't they still weren't quite getting into the market. So what they did is something that's very common in Hollywood nowadays. They said, "Hey, let's reboot the franchise." That's right. Yeah. So this uh, this whole line, and I want you to pay attention to any Lincoln commercials you see. Now or have seen in the last two years. Yes. Um, they will clearly state introducing the Lincoln Motor Company, even though this is approaching 100 years old. So that's kind of interesting to me that they're, that they're doing this reintroduction to the American people, the American public, the world public, really. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, the, you can't really blame them because especially in the nineties and two thousands, they were falling behind in international mm-hmm. sales. So they kind of want to be a new thing. Um, Jim Farley, who was the vice president of the marketing sales and service at Lincoln at the time, um, can, you know, he was speaking about their upcoming Super Bowl commercial at the mm-hmm. time. This is like 2011, so yeah, 2010, uh, 2012, I think. Okay. Maybe. And, uh, he said the all new Lincoln MKZ represents a new day for Lincoln and we consider it a worthy new calling card for, get this, Scott, a reinvented brand mm-hmm. along with a reinvented customer experience of delightful personal service. We're confident Lincoln will be on the leading edge of attracting a new class of premium buyers, ah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's important. What he said there, premium buyers, because the way they're doing this is through these really, I'm going to just, they're, they're beautiful, yeah. thoughtful, classy, intelligent, emotional ads that they're creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Lincoln brand. And if you watch some of them, you'll see what I mean. They're, they're very carefully crafted. I mean, all commercials are really, all ads sure, are, you know, for yeah. the message that they want, but, um, they really are being very, very careful about what they say. And they, they say things like trust your instincts, remember where you came from and then go somewhere completely new. Yeah. They're, they're saying, yeah. um, you know, don't try to be, and this is one of the key things that they say in their, in their ads. Don't try to be all things to all people, but rather everything to a certain few. Um, mm-hmm. So they're returning to the core values of the brand. They're they're taking it back to what they believed in in you know 1917 when they started the company. 19, custom coaching, yeah, 1922 too. when you know mm-hmm. they became 
when they really became the Lincoln brand under the Ford Motor Com- parent company. Um, so, you know, this, this introduction of the, of the Lincoln Motor Company is really reinventing this once great luxury brand and they're being very cautious about it. They're, they're, uh, I guess what they say, they're, they're turning back the clock, uh, to a time when, you know, Lincoln meant luxury and prestige and, uh, and, yeah. and everything, everything that was, uh, was all about the finer automobiles and the finer things in life. And that's, and that's what they want the image of Lincoln to be. They want it to be a standout brand once again. For a while, it was reported that Lincoln would only focus on high volume luxury segments mm-hmm. and not really have like a halo car. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, one, I, I read this sentence and I wanted to read it to you, Scott, because I thought, I wanted to see what you think about this. It's from a review. Mm-hmm. The 2013 MKZ is Lincoln's valiant attempt to create a better Lexus. Oh, hmm. That's kind of interesting. A valiant attempt. I wonder why they would say that. I mean, I wonder if, uh, maybe they're saying it's fallen short. Is that what they're, they're saying? Well, they, this argument, um, in the, in, in this review, it says, uh, that they, the author didn't feel that the, different sheet metal and interior design adequately distinguish the MKZ from the Ford Fusion on oh. which it is based. Oh, boy. Okay, so it comes from the Ford Fusion, so it's just wrapped in this uh, this new exterior. And it's what? weird because there's still that dichotomy that was in the DNA of Ford and Lincoln, you know, almost 100 years ago it, now. It's been there all along, really. I mean, that's the thing. Like, but And, Ben, this is the reality. The reality is that, I mean, you just mentioned with the Lexus brand, in, you know, 2013 and 2014 and 2015, mm. they have to compete, compete with some, some different players, some of the same players as they did back in 1922. You know, we mentioned that right. list, you know, the, the, uh, the Duesenbergs, of course, are not around and Packard's not around anymore. But, you know, now they're competing with BMW. Mm. Uh, Cadillac is still there. Mercedes. Mercedes, which, uh, they're kind of competing back at the time. Audi. They, I mean, they really mm. have to bring what I'll call their A game in order to compete on this world scale that they are right now. And, you know, they're, they are competing in something like 130 luxury markets right now. Oh, bring your L game. Huh? <laughs> not, <laughs> not bad. Sorry. Not bad. Not bad. They, uh, um, they, they are promising some new products, which is a good sign. Um, you know, they've got five. What do they have on their site now? I think they have five products that, that are for sale right now under the Lincoln brand. And there was a concept car on there as well. Yeah. And really, actually, very nice concept car if you want to check it out on online. Um, and then they have a promise for what they call seven new or significantly refinished products by, by 2015. And that's weird to me. Significantly refinished. Yeah. I'm sorry. Refreshed. Refreshed. Significantly oh, okay. refreshed products by 2015. I misspoke. So, um, which is interesting because for a long time, Lincoln didn't do model year differences. Yeah. And they're, they're talking about, oh, really? Yeah, they're, uh, they didn't, they didn't update like other companies right, did. That's what exactly. you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. You're right. Um, but they're saying that, you know, within the next two years, you know, from now, from this point, they're going to have as many as 12 products out there in the marketplace. And, and I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they come up with because they have made a dramatic change in their, in their design focus. There's I mean, a definite look, shift. If you look at the town car and then you look at uh, something like the MKZ, I can see they're really, they're bringing it into, you know, more into the future, what it should be at this point. And I like town cars. I'm going to go out and say I know that there might be some people who disagree with me. But to me, they're they're a little less ostentatious as limousines. They're a little bit of um, a tactful dignity. Yeah, you know what? I don't have a problem with them either. They ride great. I don't want to buy one. I I don't think I do either. But they they ride fantastic. I mean, they they have a, uh, I don't know, they're, 
they're stately, I guess, in a way. I mean, if they're done right. For a while, they were, I think there, for a while, there was a campaign where it talked about how quiet it was, and how mm-hmm. smooth the ride was mm-hmm. in the Lincoln. I would believe that. Yeah, I would believe that, too. Um, but now we are looking forward. This is how we end our podcast on Lincoln with a company that has such wonderful history, such a rich story behind it. We're looking forward to the next phase of Lincoln's evolution. Mm-hmm. How's it going to work out? They've got big plans. Um, so I guess what we would ask for now is, uh, Listeners, would you like to send us some stories about your Lincoln, if you own one? Have you driven or ridden in a Lincoln? Particularly maybe one that has uh, the suicide doors we talked about, the old, con- oh, the old yeah. Continentals. Um, or a car that, who knows, they're a car that uh, you converted to suicide doors. Any, anything about suicide <laughs> doors, how about that? Oh, yeah, maybe we should just do a suicide door podcast. <laughs> Those are the coolest. How about a listener that has a Zephyr with a V12? Heavy. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see some photos of that. And and maybe some stories about uh, how difficult it is to find parts for that or to keep it running. Oh, can you imagine? That's like you have to fabricate parts, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, well, write in. Let us know what you think about this. And feel free to suggest some upcoming topics. You can find us on Facebook. You can drop us a line on Twitter. You can always email us directly. Our email address is carstuffatdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.